Thanks, Eric and Harry, for being with me here. Now, <laughs> I remember what April of 2019 being there at the NASDAQ with you the day that Zoom went public, Eric. And uh, you remember you watching the indications, maybe a little nervously, because boy, they were, they were putting a nice valuation on the uh, company. Little did we know just how much we were going to need Zoom in just a year. Uh, you know, despite how heady to some the valuation might have looked that day. And so I, I want to get into things uh, that way because something tells me that, Eric, you weren't used to running the company on Zoom the way you probably had to over the past year and a half. So give us a sense of how you had to adapt even within this company as you've led it and to what degree the product changes that you're making have come through that experience. Yeah, thank you. So by the way, and the Taylor, you are so right. I like uh, Henry's voice, but I can tell you John's voice is even better. So Henry called me into this meeting to be the technical support for this call. I did not realize also needed to answer to some questions. But anyway, John, you are so right. In back to 2019, and we were so excited. I, I was also very nervous, right? After we became a public company. I think over the past 15 months, the good news, first of all, it's over. I can tell you, as it was so challenging on many fronts. And first of all, you know, and at the end of uh, 2019, and look at our daily, you know, pick a pick data daily meeting participant, it was only 10 million participants. Last March and April, it all the way jumped to more than 300 million, 30 times more usage job. And we had to add capacity here and there. We had to work around the clock. I personally had more sleepless nights than any time in my career. The good news, and we did pivot very well, not only do we solve for enterprise or government customers, we also completely embraced consumer or consumer use cases. Like a K-12 schools, we offer a free service, Zoom marriage is legal in New York, and also online fitness class, online, you know, the you know, uh, trainings, all those uh, brand new use cases are very important because I we realize this is the best time for Zoom to help the world to help people stay connected. Being the CEO, my number one priority remains the same: how to make sure our employee happy, and together we can make sure our customer happy. And we were working so hard and we are going to keep improving our service to contribute back to the society, to the country, to the world. Mm. Now, Harry, tell us more about that as chief information officer. The product demands uh, must have shifted dramatically as Eric is describing here. You go from being mostly about companies and smaller groups of people to being large groups within companies and consumers want to use it too. People who have been using FaceTime, I can tell you my family, you know, we, we used to try to FaceTime with the grandparents and it would be like everybody crowding in front of one camera. But then during the pandemic, it's like, no kids, everybody get in a different room. And so everybody in a different room on a different device so that everybody can be seen. Our, our, our whole mode of communication remotely changed and all of that is putting a load on your resources. How did you have to change not only the way that your team works, but how you kind of scope out what the, the roadmap for the product needs to be in order to satisfy that. 
Yeah, so a couple of things there, uh, John. Um, in addition to the metrics that Eric just shared, you know, if you go back to January of 2020, we were processing in excess of 100 billion annualized meeting minutes, and that went to over 3 trillion annualized meeting minutes in October. And, you know, we never missed a beat. Um, you know, we, we, we met our service levels, our clients around the world were using Zoom. We talked about the 300 million plus daily meeting participants. And I think it all goes back as it's, it's testimony, in my opinion, as to the architecture of the Zoom platform and how it was able to scale so well. And it goes back to a bunch of principles that when Eric founded the company 10 years ago, he founded it on five core principles. Number one, ease of use. We have six-year-olds using Zoom. We have 106-year-olds using Zoom and everybody in between. You know, it, <clears throat> um, uh, you know incredible reliability. That was a, num a number two priority for the founding of Zoom. And we've proven that uh, beyond a shadow of a doubt. You know, incredible innovation at speed and scale. We've been, you know, the number of firsts for Zoom, it's like everybody, you know, we've got competition out there, we recognize that, but they're, you know, they're following behind us. We're leading the way from innovation. And pricing, you know, it's the price of a cup of coffee once a week from a retail perspective, and then privacy and security. So we've, we're leaders in all of these spaces. And so, um, you know, it was, it was a hard year for sure, like, like Eric just talked about. We had to scale up the entire company, but everybody went to work from home. And what was interesting about that was we had some people when they went to work from went to work from home, their jobs changed dramatically. So we had people who were supporting us in the office. Now we weren't, they weren't, they weren't in an office. So now what do we do? They pivoted to help us from a support perspective, taking customer calls. We had great partners who piled in to help us and behind us. And, you know, when you look at Zoom as of Q1, uh, FY22, ending April 30th, we're over 5,000 employees globally. That's double what we were a year before. And uh, so wow. that's sort of, uh, we've had some real challenges, but, you know, it's, uh, as somebody said recently, it's true grit uh, that really applies in, in scaling the way we did. Eric, how do you avoid trying to boil the ocean in this situation? Here's what I mean. Uh, first of all, it's remarkable. I'm paying you for a service that Apple and Google and Microsoft, a number of others want to give me for free. Cisco, where you used to work, you know, WebEx, et cetera. But uh, I find enough value in Zoom that I, as an individual, am paying for a subscription for it, which kind of blows my mind. But then because I'm doing that, I feel entitled to like give you product advice and things that I'm sure everybody across the world is sending you, oh, the next feature you need to add is this. But you've got to prioritize having resources, certainly finite, but more finite than those other players who, in a, who you're competing against. How are you prioritizing and deciding when not only do you want to have an events platform and, and allow sort of ticketing, but you want to enable the hybrid workplace and you got this high, you got this uh, hardware device that, that I remember you launched a while back specifically for Zoom. How are you deciding what to put the focus on? John, you're so right. First of all, I think uh, I made a mistake. We should have given you a VIP account. You do not need to pay for Zoom service. You're such a great you know, supporter friend. I'm happy to pay. Yeah, you're, you're so right. And today, you look at the feedback you know, coming from everywhere, right? From a high ed, catering to schools, telemedicine, telehealth, healthcare, 
and uh, enterprise customers and consumers, government customers here and there, all other countries as well, right? You're so right. You know, however, our philosophy is always, first of all, we got to take any customer, any user's feedback very, very seriously. That's number one. Number two, when it comes to soliciting feedback, we always would like to take a step back to really understand what's the pain point. Quite often, it is human nature. They would like to tell you what to do. You should add this feature, add that feature, change this UI. We would like to understand what's the pain point. If we understand end user's pain point, we can work together with customers, with other customers and our partners to come up with a solution and then do a test. Because the speed of innovation is always number one priority for us. You know, because we can come up with a solution, be the first vendor, we do the test. You know, it's kind of very positive look. However, if any customers, they, they, if they are tell, telling you what to do, you just do it, that's not about priority, right? You really need to understand the pinpoint. And yeah. then decide what to do next. Harry, yeah, and, uh, I just add on, John, we also yeah. have uh, spun up a variety of what we call industry councils. So we have one around financial services, we've got around healthcare, we've got around education, we've got one for privacy and security. And then we have a, um, a cross industry, an industry agnostic client advisory board. And what we do with these councils and this client advisory board is we share with them, you know, roadmap, we share with them what our thinking is, we share with them what the feedback has been, and we ask them to help us prioritize in terms of features too. That makes sense. And I, I wanna go deeper on that pain point question, Harry, um, and how the pain point shifted during the pandemic. Were you hearing about, and, and you must've been, if you're going from, you know, 10 people on a call to 300, what, what was the pain point that people were articulating and were there pain points that you were seeing in the data that for product use that maybe even the customer wasn't articulating, but you figured out that you needed to uh, proactively address? Is there anything that you learned in that period about that process? That's a great question, John. And uh, I don't know, Eric, if you have a great answer to it, it's like, you know, it's uh... You know, I think it still goes back to the architecture, the way we're able to sort of leverage our data centers in region. So for example, when the sun comes up in the east, our east coast data centers get pretty busy. Um, and if they need additional capacity, they're able to borrow from central or borrow from west coast. And as the sun continues to go west, that trajectory changes too. So uh, we, we have the ability to burst into the cloud. And one of the activities that we actually did um, uh, it feels like a long time ago. I got to tell you, John. It's like you know, so much has happened so, in, in a year, so it's hard to remember some of these, uh, some of the pain points. But I remember back. I think it was. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Eric. But I think it was like March or April when we moved a lot of the free service out to the cloud, so we could free up our data center capacity to support our enterprise paying clients like John Ford. Because you know, that's where the secret sauce is. It's like it's in that data center. And that's where, you know, sort of, and the reason, you know, we do that is that we want to protect the meeting. The meeting, this meeting, as an example, is not running in any cloud. It's actually, you know, running in our, probably our New York data center, I would venture to guess. Um, and that's where, and we have complete 100% control over everything happening in that Colo data center. 
Um, is that so, is that because the the reliability is going to be higher, or is it also because you're able to um, more seamlessly handle your updates and then decide what versions to push to the cloud for that broader group? We have we have a hundred percent control over this. Nothing untoward can happen. Yes, we could lose power, but you know you've got multiple sources of power. We've got lots of redundancy within the CPUs, within the servers, within the storage, within the facility, across the across facilities, et cetera. So, you know, sort of um, all, my, all my colleagues on here know about SPOF, you know, sort of no single point of failure. We have, you know, many no points of sing, single point of failure. So, um, mm. yeah. So uh, Eric, 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 did I miss anything there? You, you probably have a, you have a better memory than me. I can't. Oh, you're right on. Yeah, thank you, Henry. I want to remind everybody, feel free to drop your questions in the chat. And as we see them, we can tee you up to ask those questions directly. But I'm going to keep rolling. Eric, as a technologist and a visionary behind this company, what did you learn individually through this process about how you plan for technology and architecture and how you envision the future of Zoom? I imagine you had a big vision for the company from the beginning, but did your vision in any sense get bigger or accelerated? The rate at which I'll mention again, the hardware device that you guys announced and the ticketing uh, possibilities, turning Zoom into a platform, you leaned into that during a period where your core product was seeing uh, enormous demand. That, that seemed really gutsy to me. I think, uh, first of all, you're so right. Our vision is a sort of accelerated. You know, here's why, you know, when we started, we think video communication is going to change everything. We believe the future video communication like Zoom can deliver a better experience than face-to-face -face meeting. You know, like I see my friend Brad from Nasdaq here. I did not see him for a while. I want to give, a, give him a hug. We cannot do that today over Zoom, right? And Harry always likes to have a cup of coffee in the morning. I cannot enjoy the smell remotely. Right? All those features will be added to the future video communication. Right? That's one. Another thing You're is- add hugging. Yeah, remote hug, remote handshaking, okay. all those features will be available, John. And also, and prior to pandemic crisis, we only serve for enterprise customers. Now, we already paved our business from being a video, killer, video conferencing killer app company to be a platform company to embrace consumer, presumer, SMB, enterprise, all kinds of use cases, right? That's why I think it, in terms of vision is the same, but in terms of, in terms of the path to get there, I think it's sort of accelerated. We got it to pivot you know, in, a, in a much faster way to embrace all kinds of use cases to become a platform company. How has this, Eric, affected your hiring? Um, talent is in short supply but I have to imagine that there's nobody who doesn't know what Zoom is, right? So suddenly you get catapulted into like Facebook, Apple, Google status brand wise. Has it been easier for you to find to source technical talent? What have you had to do to get those people on board? Um, have you hired more quickly? Have you had to make changes in the way that you deal with your HR folks to, to make that process happen? Yeah, great, great question. So first of all, we more than double the size of a company. It does mean, you know, in terms of hiring, you know, we are in much better shape now. There are two reasons. First of all, in the prior to pandemic crisis, 
it's really hard, you know, to find enough engineer talents in Silicon Valley. Today is very different. We can hire engineers from Texas, you know, from any other states, right? Any other city, sometimes in, you know, outside the country, right? I think give us greater flexibility because we can allow those engineers to work remotely. That's one. Two, you are so right, you know, because of the brand, right? It used to be, we try to hire, you know, the, the young graduates. They are, they, they would like to work for the Facebook or Google or Amazon, you know, the big companies, right? Now, given the brand recognition, for sure, you know, we can hire those top talents from the top universities, universities as well. However, the challenge comes from how to onboard those new employees. And even if you hire several hundred employees a quarter, I never met with them. How to engage with them? Otherwise, even if you can hire those employees, you can recruit them, how to retain those employees when they work remotely? That's a challenge, you know, we need to fix. Otherwise, guess what? Six months later, they are going to leave, right? That's going to become a big problem. Not to mention today, you look at, you ask every business or company CEO, the attrition rate is indeed a problem. Every company, they are going to lose some employees because of this the COVID, you know, the crisis, a lot of uncertainty and the depression, anxiety when they work from home. I think that's another problem we need to address. Yeah, and then just to add, uh, add one other dimension to that, whilst we have a fantastic brand and we get numerous applications for every role that we post, there's another, another challenge there, John, which is, you know, sort of identifying the person to hire. So, because, you know, we have so many people applying for the same job. How do you filter through all those applications? And fortunately, there's some great apps out there that help us to do that. But that's a, that's a real challenge as well.